to abundant life. We just left the radical series, but you can't have what's radical unless you've been revived. You must be born again. You must be filled with his Holy Spirit. You must be baptized in water. These are must-bes. These are not maybes, but these are must-bes. You must be born again. You must be baptized in water. You must be full of the Holy Spirit so that you might be revived. Can you say revived? I hope you didn't just come for church this morning. I hope this is not your religious thing that you do every Sunday morning at this time. I hope you came for a word from God so that you might continue to live fully for God, that you might be revived. Thank you, Jesus. If we're honest, the last few years have taken a toll on us all. Satan has attempted to steal, kill, and destroy God's people. But it's time. Say, it's time. Say, it's time. time. But it's time that we all be revived to live the abundant life Jesus came to give us. It's time that we be revived. We don't have to live our lives half alive, half Christian, oh my goodness, half holy, half faithful, half dedicated, half committed. And that's what I see now more than anything is just half. We need to be fully committed to this walk with Jesus Christ or we're going to find out that we're going to hear from him. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Coming to the building doesn't make you righteous or holy. Even if you came every day of the week, the only thing that imputes righteousness to you is the forgiveness of your sins that was given to us by Jesus' shed blood on the cross of Calvary and our faith in him for salvation. You should be tired of not living a life in which the Bible says you can have. How many want what the word says they can have? That's what it means to have a revived life. We should not be in a constant state of revival. And the reason that we're in a constant state of revival is like we saw Jimmy doing just a little bit ago. Up one day, down the next. Up one minute, down the next. Up one second, down the next. Somebody make a song out of that. That could be a cool little, with a little beat to it or whatever. That is why we're always in the need of revival because we won't just stay dead to ourselves and let Christ live. We need to stay in a constant state of being revived. Father, I come against every spirit that I feel right now that's coming against me to release this message. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. I cancel every assignment of every evil spirit that's trying to loose itself against me now in Jesus' name. I pray against rebellion and witchcraft right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I cancel the assignment now in Jesus' name of the Jezebel spirit. I rebuke you now in the name of Jesus Christ. You have no power, no authority. I cancel you. God's people will be free from you and every spirit that is like you. I cancel all resistance to truth right now in Jesus' name. May the light of God penetrate the darkness that the enemy has tried to put into this place and resist this word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, last night, last night I had a dream. And in that dream, God showed me an evangelist that I know. Uh, And this is what the evangelist said to me in the dream. Where the true gospel is being preached, there isn't growth but division. Meaning, there will be people separating themselves from Jesus because they felt the cost to follow him was too high. Wherever the true gospel is being preached, there is not a growth of an increase of number but a decrease of number because people will separate themselves and say, this is too much. This is too high. I'm not willing to do this. I can't I I can't do this. I'd rather have my own life. Matthew chapter 19, verses 21 through 22. uh, Jesus had an encounter with a man that he told the true gospel to. And this is what happened. The man separated himself from Jesus 
and walked away. Wherever the true gospel is being preached, many will fall away and say this, this cost is too high. But if we sugarcoat the gospel and just tell you about all the blessings and none of the sacrifice, then we can fill the building and there will be many people. If we tell you you don't have to give up anything, you can keep living the way you live. Jesus accepts you just the way you are. You don't have to change. He knows your heart. Just all that greasy grace that's out there right now. If you told him the absolute truth, there would be many that walk away and say, this cost is too high. And this is exactly what happened when a rich young ruler came to Jesus asking what he had to do to receive eternal life. And here's what Jesus told him. Matthew 19, 21. If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away. What did he do? He went away. What did he do? He went away. Sad, for he had many possessions. Where the true gospel is being preached, there is not an increase of number, but a separation. There is a separation of those who will receive the truth from those who will not. There's a separation of those who will live uh, for Jesus and those who will live for themselves. Sitting in this church does not save you. Saying amen does not save you. Having the app does not save you. The only thing that saves you is your full commitment to follow Jesus Christ and to stop living a life of sin. If you are a professed Christian and you're living in sin, then you are a sinner. You're a sinner and you need to repent. And revival doesn't start until you repent. You cannot be serve God and Satan at the same time. That disqualifies you from serving God. You cannot have two masters. You must choose one master and serve that master alone. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27. We're talking about the cost right now. Everybody wants revival, but do you know how expensive revival is? What's it going to cost you to live the revived life? We're in Matthew 19, 21, I'm sorry, Matthew 16, 24 through 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, this is the cost, if anyone desires to come after me, come after who? Me. We're talking about Jesus here. We're not talking about church because you can still sin as much as you want and come to church. But coming to Jesus costs you something. It costs you your whole life. You got to stop living and chasing after sin and say, I repent of sin and Lord, I will follow you. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him or her deny himself. Can you say deny? So the first cost of revival is we have to learn that we have to be denying ourselves to follow Jesus and take up his cross. That's an instrument of death. A cross is not just a little pretty diamond lace uh, necklace pendant that you have. A cross is a is a bloody tool of execution. And if you got to carry a cross, that represents your execution. It says that this is the place I die to follow Jesus. Those are the ones that enter into heaven because those are the ones that have said, Lord, I will give up everything to follow you. Church, the reason for the intensity of this message this morning is because Jesus Christ is soon to come or you're soon to go. So we got some business to settle this morning. We've got to be real about this thing. What's it going to cost us to live that revived life? Verse 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is a man if he what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his, with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Do you know how blessed you are to be on this side of eternity right now? There's, there's a greater blessing, okay? You could be with Jesus right now. But right now, outside of being in heaven, this is the only alternative for safety. Because the only other place we can go is hell. Hell is real. It does exist. You don't hear a lot about it, but it's real and it does exist. 
God does not send people to hell. Unrepentant sin sends people to hell because he has made a way for us to be forgiven of our sins so that we might receive eternal life in heaven. So you are in a very graceful place right now. Can you say grace? Grace. You are in a state of grace right now. You are walking a tightrope called life right now. And on either side, there is eternity. And at any moment, and just one blink is all it takes, we will be in eternity. But on which side of eternity will you find yourself? I'll tell, ex- I'll tell you exactly what side of eternity you'll find yourself on. It's wherever you are located now. Are you in Christ? Then you'll be in heaven. Are you outside of Christ? Then you'll await the judgment and one day be sent to hell, which was not intended for us. But that is where the fallen angels were supposed to go because they rejected God. So that that now has become a place of rejection and separation from God. So if you choose to not live for God, then you choose the same path that the angels chose when they rejected God and they were evicted from heaven. So we must understand that right now. You have grace. You have air in your body. Your soul is still connected to your body right now. Do you know how blessed you are right now? Because once you get locked outside of this body, your decision is permanent. There is no purgatory. There's no purgatory. When you die, that settles it. So you've got a decision to make right now. That decision has to be to live fully for Jesus Christ and receive him as your savior. But that's going to call cause you to deny yourself. Can you say deny? Deny. How many want to hear about being saved versus really want to be saved? How many really want to be saved? Amen. I really want it. Okay, so if we really want that, that means we desire to be revived, made new in Christ permanently, not in and out of it, but living fully in it. So what does it mean to deny? Noah's dictionary's definition is to affirm that one has no acquaintance or connection with someone. Who's that someone then? Our old self. I'm going to deny my acquaintance to my old self. Because my old self was sending me to hell. My old self was was full of lust and full of lies and full of darkness. But I'm going to deny my old self. Jesus, I don't want my old self anymore. Will you help me? Will you separate me from my old self? I will. It's going to cost you something. What's that, Jesus? You got to pick up your cross and die to that old self. so So that you can follow me. Because we cannot follow him with our old selves. We must deny that acquaintanceship and follow him. The second uh, definition of deny is this. To forget oneself. To lose sight of oneself and one's own entrance. So to follow Jesus Christ means I'm going to pick up the cross in recognition that it's not about me anymore. The reason there has to be so much revival sometimes is because we keep dropping the cross. Keep dropping the cross. Oh, Lord, revive me. I need a touch again. I need a touch again. Pick up the cross. It's not about a touch. It's about a feeling. It's about a new state of being at all times. It's not about this. Christianity is not ups and downs and ups and downs as it relates to an emotional experience. It's a one-time deal where if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen? That is the revived life that we're chasing. Peter's denial of Jesus should mirror our denial of our old selves. So what does it mean to deny ourselves? Jesus told Peter, by the time the cock crows three times, you will, before the time, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. That's what Denial looks like. So they ran up to Peter and said, hey, I I recognize you. You're one of the followers of Jesus Christ. No, I'm not. I never knew him. I don't know him. That's denying of self. 
Then he went on further, and they said, oh, there's one of him. Your, your, your tongue gives you away. Your dialect gives you away. I don't know him. Another one recognizes him and says, no, you were a follower of Jesus Christ. No, I'm not. I don't know him. And he began to curse and say, you know what, I, I'm through with this. No, I don't know him. And immediately, the cop crew. And Peter remembered what Jesus said, and he wept bitterly. So this is what it looks like to deny ourselves. You see, that old man is going to try to rise up in you sometimes. And to deny yourself means like, I don't know you. I don't know sin anymore. I don't know lust anymore. I refuse to live that way. I don't know you. Then later on in the day, somebody makes you angry and upset and part of you begins to rise up and wants to lash out at them and be angry. But you deny yourself. I don't know him anymore. That person's dead now. This I am alive in Christ right now. I don't know him. So to, to deny yourself is to deny access of the old man into the new creation. And say, so, you know what? I'm not them anymore. So the question that we must ask ourselves is, is there a new man? Is there even a new you in you? Have you really been born again? Have you experienced the new birth? Are you a new creation in Jesus Christ? Is there a period on this planet Earth where you were separated from your sinful self? And you can say, that was me, but that person's dead now. And now I am alive in Christ, and I deny myself. But the problem is, brothers and sisters, we cuddle up with our old self too much. We become the servant of our old self. Oh, you want to watch Netflix for five hours? Okay. Oh, you want to you please yourself? You want to do that? Okay, I'm here to serve you. Nope. That's what needs revived. We need to revive our allegiance to Jesus Christ and say that I am no longer a servant of sin because, listen, to be holy means to be separated. And I'm not trying to be legalistic or anything, but there should be a difference between wickedness and righteousness, right? Shouldn't there be a difference? That's not legalistic. That's just the truth. There's a difference between light and dark, right? And the Bible says that those that live in light have no more fellowship with darkness. So if you are, whoo, if you are born again, child of God, there's just some things you don't do anymore. There's some places you don't go anymore. There's some things you don't watch anymore. Listen, I had to throw away all kind of albums. Notorious B.I.G., Tribe Called Quest, Michael Jackson. They all had to go. They had to go. All right, I paid a lot of money for those CDs and albums, but I took them all to the trash. Hallelujah. When I realized that there was a new me and all of that stuff catered to the old me. If you still got a lot of stuff in your life that, that is connected to the old you, you need a revival. You need a revival. You need to say, you know what, Lord? I, I can't live half in this world and half in yours and expect the fullness of God. There must be a revival of holiness, a revival of repentance, a revival of dedication. To pick up the cross means we put down everything else. Amen? Amen. Pastor said, I can't listen to Luther Vandross no more. Oh, man, but I love those songs, and they just take me back to my high school prom, and me and my... I better leave Luther alone. <laughs> All right. There must be death before revival. Say death before revival. Before something can be revived and made alive, there must first be a death. There is no revival without death. So what is the definition of revival? Revival is this, a return or a recall or recovery to life from death or apparent death, a return or recall to activity from a state of languor. I'll tell you what languor is in a minute. I had to look it up myself. A recall or a return or recovery from a state of neglect, 
oblivion, obscurity, or depression. See, see, none of this stuff should be happening in the life of a Christian because we're born again, but our problem becomes that our minds need to be renewed after every impact. After every good fight of faith, there must be a renewal of our minds. After every battle with the enemy, there must be a renewal of our minds. After every lie we hear from the devil, there must be a renewal of our minds so that we can stay revived. Amen? Renewed and more active attention to religion and awakening of men to their spiritual concerns. That's what it means to experience revival. So from life to death, from uh, a recall of activity to return, a recovery from the state of neglect, and a renewed active attention to religion, the awakening of men to their spiritual concerns. So what does languor mean? And this is the state of many in the church right now. It's a state of languor. So it's not that you're not saved. It's not that we're not going to heaven, but there's just some languor. Say languor. languor. Might have been the first time a lot of you said that word. I know it was for me. But this is what languor means, feebleness. And just be honest with yourselves if you're receiving this. Don't reject revival. Don't reject uh, being revived because you got a spirit of religion on you. Saying that I don't need this. Who, me? Mm-mm. I am sanctified 24-7. When I pour milk on my Wheaties, they just activate and the, 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 the power of the Lord is always upon me. And Chill. Chill. Let's just keep it real in here. Okay? Don't, re- don't allow the spirit of religion to cause you to reject what you need from God. Because that means it's not coming from God. It's coming from a spirit of religion. We need our source to be God alone. Okay? So languor is this. And I think COVID had a lot to do with it because COVID is demonic. It was created to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It was created in a lab by evil men, okay, and released in the earth to cause all this confusion that we're seeing. It's an evil agenda, all right? It's not from God, all right? God is the author of life and peace and truth and joy. So it is an assignment of the enemy to kill. It is wicked. And not only does it kill, those that it doesn't kill, it weakens. And those that it does it weaken, it brings division to their families and division to their house and division to our country. It's an agenda, a satanic agenda of the enemy. And it has affected the church. It has affected us. Even if you don't realize it yet, sometimes it has affected us in these ways. Listen to what languor is. Feebleness, dullness, heaviness. Lassitude of body. And lassitude is just this. It's a state of the body which is induced by exhaustion of strength. So just as Jimmy was up here going up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down, when he was down, he was like, that's what that word means, okay? Um, Where'd it go? Lassitude. The state of the body and I even, I'm, I'm even thinking the body of Christ right now, which is induced by exhaustion of strength, as by disease, by extraordinary exertion, by the relaxed effect of heat or by weakness from any cause. The second part of languor is this, a dullness of the intellectual faculty. So like a duhness comes over people. And that's a, that's, that's, there's a lot of duh out there right now. A lot of duh in this world. A lot of confusion and absent-mindedness and like things that people should be getting. Things that are going on in the world that it's just so apparent to most people. There's just a lot of duh uh, in the minds of a lot of the other ones, okay? And so that's why we need to experience a revival. Can you please stand to your feet right now? It's about to begin. We're about to proclaim some promises of God over ourselves, and they are all true. They are all yes and amen. You won't remember these unless God has given you some kind of powerful gift to not forget things, okay? But uh, all of you, after church at some point, you will have these emailed to you, or they will be on our Facebook page, okay? So for a revival to occur, there must be a reoccurrence of truth. 
We must separate ourselves from what has been happening to remember. Can you say to remember? To remember where we ought to be. To remember where God has uh, desired to take us, okay? So this is the beginning of revival, where we understand who we are, who God is, and what his promises are. Say this with me. I have the promise promise of eternal life. life. I am am a child of God. God. I have access to God. I have have been adopted adopted into God's family. And can call God my father. Come on, say it like you mean it. I am loved by God. I have been chosen by God. He created me and fashioned me and gave me a purpose to fulfill. I am not an accident. I am accepted. He cares for me when I am weak. I am forgiven. I am free from condemnation. I am a new creature in Christ. I have been transformed. God will strengthen me to do all I need to do. I have peace with God. My peace with God is based on Christ Christ. not my emotions emotions. God will not leave leave or forsake me me in Jesus name name. praise God for that truth right now come on experience revival experience revival experience renewal be renewed be revived may the truth set you free In Jesus' name, you may have a seat. These are some of God's unbreakable promises, and there are many more. Every believer in Jesus Christ should expect to experience these if they have denied themselves of sin and death and fully walk in the newness of life, revived. Say this with me. I am revived. You should wake up saying that every morning because it's the truth. You could have died in your sleep. So every time you wake up from now on, you say, Lord, I thank you that I am revived. And you you see your feet get off that bed. You give praise to God and you begin to walk around in the fullness of the promises of God. If it's not his promise, then you don't walk in it. We don't walk in fear. We walk in faith. You lose, you lose your revival. You lose your state of life in Christ as soon as your faith is depleted. The Bible says that in the, any man that faints in the day of adversity, that his faith is small. The only way to live by faith is to put your faith and hope in God. You need to stop looking at the news so much. Stop look, listening to gossip and, and all this mess so much. Get in prayer more than your phone. Get in the Bible again. Maybe it, may there be a revival of reading the Bible. May there be a revival of prayer in our homes. I think it's even time. See, we, we didn't got so, uh, these, these new and improved Christians, we don't, even, we don't even get on our knees to pray anymore. We're just so holy that we don't have to get down. I think sometimes we should just get on our knees again. And if you can't get on your knees, that's okay. The Lord sees the humbleness of your heart. But those that can get down on your knees, get those dusty knees on the floor again every once in a while and say, Lord, Lord, I humble myself to you again. Lord, I can't, oh, hallelujah. Lord, I can't make it without you. Lord, I need you for everything. Lord, you're my Jehovah Jireh. Lord, you're my peace. Lord, you heal my body. Lord, you keep me strong. Lord, you are with me. Lord, you promise never to forsake me. You see, that's revival. You can have revival every morning in your home. But see, a revival is just a renewal of the mind, a, a reconnection to your faith, to the promises of God. That's what it looks like. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. And this is a little what it looks like, uh, what revival looks like. It says this, With the Lord's authority I say this, 
Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives. So to be like a Gentile is to be like a sinner and wander far away from the life God gives. See, that's when you need revival because you've wandered away far from the life that God gives. What is the, who is the life that God gives? Jesus Christ. And who did Jesus give us? The Holy Spirit. So when you wander away from your help, when you wander away from Jesus, that's when you need revival. So, so when you remain in Christ, you don't need revival. You are revived. You are experiencing the goodness of God in your life. Revival is for those who have wandered away far from the life that God gives because they have closed their minds. You see, we forget about God. They have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. You see, these are the people that need revival. But this isn't what you have learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, here's what revival looks like. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, can you say instead? Instead, instead let the spirit renew. All right. Renew your thoughts and attitudes. That's the beginning of revival in ourselves. We must let the Holy Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes, all right? You got a stinky life because you got stinky thoughts. You got a stinky life because you got a stinky attitude. And just like you should be renewing your body, we've got to renew our minds. So revival starts here in the believer. In the mind, you got to renew your mind and say, I'm not supposed to be living like this. You got to have your mind renewed to say, the devil should not be having this much effect in my life or in my house. You got to have a renewed mind that says, Lord, you said. That's what begins the renewed life. You see, the devil comes in to steal and kill and destroy. Okay, he sets up shop in our lives by his lies. He gains access to us by our sin. And in order to experience revival, we've got to say, instead of hearing what the enemy is saying, we have to start saying what God said. Oh, how that's the beginning of revival. Do you remember in the beginning, the earth was dark and void, all right, but the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters, and God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. When God speaks, that is what brings life and revival to the believer. So the moment you shut off the devil's voice, the moment you stop communicating with the enemy, the moment you stop living in the darkness of sin and lust is the moment that you will experience revival. And when you experience revival, why would we ever leave? Why would we leave the state of having been revived unless we put down the cross? Why? Because we were drawn back into the world. Drawn back by lust. Drawn back by pleasure. Drawn back by the fact that the old man revived and sin came back alive in us. Every time you sin, every time we sin, we've got to put down the cross to do it. Every time we sin, it means the old man has regained. Listen to me. This is the truth. Anytime we sin, it means that the old man has regained strength. And his strength is greater than the spirit man. And in that battle between good and evil, evil wins because the spirit man is too weak to fight. Why would our spirit man ever be weak? Because we don't renew our minds. Because we don't read the Bible. Because we don't worship. Because we don't gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we skip Bible study. I'm not saying you got to come to ours, but you should be studying the Bible somewhere. Okay? That is why your spirit man is weak. That is why you say, why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do? Because what have you, have you worked out? 
Have you worked out your spirit, man? Have you renewed your spirit, man? Or have you wandered away from Christ? When we wander away from Christ, we need to experience a new revival. Verse 23. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts. Put on your new nature. Say this with me. I must put on my new nature. Created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. Period. I am revived. Okay, I had to put a period there because I started talking and the Bible ended, all right? But still the Spirit of God desires you to know this, that this is the way that you experience revival and that you get revived, all right? Every one of you should write this down right now or make a note of it or, uh, or it's in the app. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24, amen? All right, so now we learn, uh, this is going to be a two or three or four part message um, now we learn the works of Satan versus the works of God. John 10.10 10 says this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So where are you, church? When you look around your life, what do you see? Do you see more of the thief's activity or more of the king's activity? you got to be real. Come on. Come on, take an account of your life right now. What do you see? Do you see the work of Satan everywhere? All right. Or do you see life and life more abundantly? So, Father, I pray as they take an analysis of their lives, if they see the work of the thief, they understand that they need to be revived in their thoughts, God, and put on a new man created to be just like you, holy and righteous. And Lord, as we study this next part, God, I pray that you would allow me to do it efficiently and effectively, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, buckle your seatbelts. We're going to move fast. All right, here we go. God told me that I was supposed to tell you about Mephibosheth. And we're going to study his life as it relates to the keys for revival. And there's 10 steps of revival. Again, if you don't have the app, you can get all these notes right from the app. All right? Mephibosheth revived. Mephibosheth revived. Mephibosheth revived. Say that with me. Mephibosheth revived. Mephibosheth revived. Okay? So he experienced this revival that I'm telling you about and in 10 steps. And here they are. Number one, there must be a source of love, goodness, kindness, Power and love. So who was Mephibosheth? He was the grandson of King Saul, Israel's first king. The son of Jonathan, David's best friend. And to say best friend is a highly an understatement, okay? Because we have best friends we don't talk to for three years, all right? But this was a best friend for real. This was a brother. This was somebody that his soul even loved. Uh, first eight 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 3, tell us about this relationship that they had. It says, now when he had finished speaking to Saul, this was when David had just got done introducing himself to Saul after he had uh, defeated Goliath, okay? The soul of Jonathan, as he heard this man talking, was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house Anymore. So in order for there to be a revival, there has to be a, a great source of love and goodness and kindness. And we know that that is God. But for Mephibosheth, uh, this source of great love and kindness was going to be because he was the grandson of a king. And the king's grandson, uh, as the, the king's son, made a covenant with David that they were going to be best friends forever. So the second part of revival is this, a covenant. A promised commitment to the well-being of another. So for there to be revival, there must be a covenant. There must be a covenant from that provider, that all-powerful provider of goodness and, and, and power and wealth and resources, okay? So we see here in verse 3 it says, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. What did they make? A covenant. Because he loved him as his own soul. 
The third part of revival is this. There must be some kind of separation, whether real or perceived, from the abundance of life caused by the thief Satan. So where do we see that happening at in Mephibosheth's life? We're in 2 Samuel 4 and 4. And it says this, Saul's son Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse see that the devil was busy, the thief was stealing and killing and destroying, okay? When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him and he became crippled. So again, that st third stage of revival, that means that there's a separation, whether real or perceived, from the abundance of life. So Mephibosheth had been separated from the king. He had been separated from his father. They had been murdered. And now, in haste to get him away, he had been dropped and he had become crippled from five years old. So in order for there to be a revival, there must first have been life, and then the thief comes in to steal that life or to touch that life. And we see that happening there. Let's go on to um, 2 Samuel chapter 9. The fourth step of revival, this has to happen. There has to be a reunion between the victim and the victor, okay? And we're going to study these more deeply on next week, okay? Number four, the fourth step of revival is there must be a reunion between the victim, the person that was separated from the goodness of God, and the victor, God himself, or, or the king himself. So verse 9, we're in 2 Samuel, verse 9, chapter 9, verse 9. One day David asked, is there anyone in Saul's family still alive? Can you say covenant? covenant. This is good. You better, you better be glad you've got a covenant with God. That's why we can always get this revival that I'm talking about because there's a covenant out there. All right? So that's, the, that's a big step in this. All right? So the fourth step of revival is there has to be a reunion between the victim of the thief and the victor, which is God. One day, David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. Then the king asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. So listen, church, just, just to give you a sneak peek of where we're going with this, God looks over his word to perform it all over the earth. And when Jesus comes back, he said, will I find faith anywhere? Faith in what? Faith in his word. So God is constant. See, we're always chasing blessings, but all he's looking is for a believer. If you're a believer, the blessings will find you. If you're obedient, the blessings will find you. And so this is the King David looking over the land saying, is there anyone left in Saul's house that I can bless? And I think at this stage of earth, God looks down to the earth and says, is there anyone left that I can bless? Is there anyone left that's still standing on the promises of God? Is there anyone left still believing? Is there anyone left that has been revived? Or is there those that need to be renewed or revived? Continuing on, Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Isn't that awesome news? Where is he? Where is he? God's looking for you. Where is he? In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makor, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Maker's home. Number five. Say number five. Here's the fifth step of revival. Surrender and reverence to the reviver. There must be surrender and reverence to the reviver. His name, verse 6, was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, what did he do? He bowed low to the ground in deep respect. Remember, number five is surrender and reverence to the reviver. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Number six, the number six step to revival is this. 
a new covenant of revival and restoration. So there cannot be revival unless there's a covenant out there. And he's a covenant-keeping God. Oh, man, I am just preaching myself happy. I just feel the Holy Spirit just all over this world. We're going somewhere. We might not get there today, but we're going somewhere, okay? All right. So there must be a covenant, a new covenant of revival and restoration. So here's what the king says to Mephibosheth. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. That's number six, a new covenant of revival and restoration. The seventh step of revival is this. A humble response to the offer of revival and restoration. So in verse 8, we see Mephibosheth do this. He bowed respectfully. All right, so maybe he had got up to hear this. But now again, he's bowing. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show me such kindness to a dead dog like me? A humble response. So when you are in need of revival and the king comes to revive you, you look at the state that you had been in and say, God, why would you be so good to me? I am the one that wandered away from you, but yet you still desire to restore me. And he, he humbled himself as he said that. The number eight step, and we only got ten, the number eight step of revival is this, a royal command setting revival in place. Who wants one of those? A royal command setting revival in place. All right. Number verse nine says this. Then the king, who? King. The king. Oh my goodness. Can we praise God for the king? Yeah. Praise God for the king. Because when the king says it, he don't need a cosign. When the king says it, that settles it. So revival, church, is getting back to what the king said. And staying there and living there and not walking away from it. So we're in number verse 9. It says this. Then the king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I, who? I, the king, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. I want you to notice something about that royal command. There was no back talk. The devil was not busy. Because the devil can't stop the king's commands. But you can. You can walk away from those king's commands. You can leave the covering of the king's command. All right, verse 9. I'm sorry. Number nine. The ninth thing we must do for revival is this. There must be obedience to the command. Ziba replied, Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded. See, we got to come into agreement with, the, with, with God's covenant towards us and the command that he has given to those that are to serve us. Amen. And to put the enemy squarely under our feet so that he might stay there. The devil can't argue with God. He just got to crawl up under our feet. If, if the enemy, if God says to the enemy that we can walk on serpents and scorpions, that means that the Satan should not be right here in our life, but down there. And until you get revived in the truth to know where Satan belongs in your life, he'll be up and running around and causing havoc in your life. But he's got to go squarely where the king commanded he would be, and that is under our feet. Finally, verse 10. Okay, thank you, brother. Thank you. Finally, number 10. And Kimberly, you can come up. but no, no, Just stay there so you can get the word too. The tenth step of revival is to be revived. It is this. To forever be connected to and in the company of the giver of life. I'll say it again. To experience revival and to end up revived is this. To forever be connected to and in the company of the giver of life. Listen to what happened to Mephibosheth that makes me say that. 
And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate every other day. What's it say? Regularly. So there was no need for revival for Mephibosheth anymore. Because every day from then on, he ate at the king's table. And that's exactly where we belong every single day. Not chasing revival, because the king has already come. But living in a state of being revived, Mephibosheth ate at the king's table every day. And how did he do it? Like one of the king's own sons. Who are the sons and daughters of God? That's us. We don't need revival. We just need to stay at the place that God has made for us at his table. The only time you need revival is when you leave the table. Stay at the table. And you'll, have, you'll live in a constant state of revival because you'll be forever connected to and in the presence of the giver of life. Yeah. Let's stand on our feet. Somebody left some keys in the restroom as well. Looks like to a Pontiac, possibly. These yours, brother. All right. Let's give God praise for this word today. Amen. Say this with me. I will not chase revival. I will be revived. I will not chase revival. I will be revived. Father, I thank you for the revived of the Lord. So just like it said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, I want the revived of the Lord to say so. Say, I am revived of the Lord. Lord, I thank you. You see, this is just the revelation of it. Now we know about it. But in order to receive the rest from this, there's more than the revelation. We need the empowerment. Then we need the strategy. And then we can have the triumph of being revived. So God, would you guard the revelation. As this revelation has been deposited into the hearts and minds of your people, Lord, do not allow the thief to come in and steal it away. May this word be buried in the fertile soil of the new man. I'll say that again. May this word be buried deeply in the fertile soil of the new man so that it might bring forth much fruit. We are the revived. Yes, the enemy tried to steal from us. Yes, he tried to cripple us. Yes, he tried to call us away from our carrying of the cross and our covenant with God. But covenants cost you something. It's going to cost you your faith. Will you believe that the covenant is true? Will you believe that all Jesus has done, that he did it for you? He did it for you. You don't have to live a life that's been wrecked by the thief. But if you have, it just means that you need revival. There's nothing wrong with needing revival. There's only something wrong with rejecting revival. Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus Christ that we will be honest with ourselves in this moment. And those of us that are tired, that are weary, we know the promises, but we don't always experience them. So we need to have a revival so that we might live revived. Thank you, Jesus. When they were gathered together and they were all in one accord in the upper room, that is when the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Thank you, Jesus. I'm asking right now in Jesus' name, that any of you who are willing to say, I have a longing to experience the fullness of the promise of God 
And I want to live not pursuing revival, but I want to live revived. If that's your heart and mind, would you raise your hands in this place today? If you're watching online, raise your hands right where you are. Hallelujah, Lord, we come into agreement. One accord, one mind. And Lord, we cry out to you, God, and we repent for needing anything else but you. We repent for every desire that would cause us to go astray. We repent, Father God, for sometimes loving our life more than you. We repent, God. And now, Lord, would you allow us to be renewed in our mind? Would you give our spirit man the strength to throw off the old life and put on the new man that you have made us to be in Christ? We don't want to chase revival because we know where life is. It is in Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm praying for the teachers in the, in the, in the, in the teen church and children's church right now who couldn't be up here, God. I pray that your anointing would fall upon them right now, God. Even if they can't experience it until later in their prayer time, would you deposit this moment into them as well? They should not miss out because they were serving you, God. I speak to a revival of their strength, a revival of their peace, a revival of their joy, a revival of their salvation. A revival of their ears hearing what the Spirit of the Lord says to the church. A revival of our dedication to you so that we might live revived. The only way to be revived is to fully die. You see, they didn't pull Jesus Christ off of the, tomb, off of the cross before he died and put him in the tomb. Or he would have just been a beaten Lord, not a risen Lord. So, Lord, if we desire to go from beaten to risen, we must fully die. Help us, oh God, to give up this life. Because all that seek to save their life will lose them. But if you're willing to lose them now for Christ's sake, you will find them. Jesus, that is the cost. The cost is everything. But so is the blessing. The blessing is everything as well. So Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just wander around this room and begin to touch each life that is resurrendering themselves to you. Holy Spirit begin to wander around the room and bring revival to the point where these people are revived. Shalom. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. Now here's the key to staying revived. You must hunger and thirst after righteousness. You must feed this new man. The new man doesn't want to watch TV all day. The new man doesn't want to play games on the phone all day. The new man doesn't want to be talking on the phone all day. The new man wants to sit at the table with the king. The new man wants to eat the living bread, which is Jesus Christ, and drink the cup. The new man wants Jesus. The old man wants the world. So what will you feed yourselves? To stay revived, we must stay in Christ. To stay revived, we must have our minds renewed every day. We must deny ourselves and say, I don't know the old me anymore. I only know Christ. Say this with me. I don't know the old me anymore. I only know Christ. I deny myself. That's what self-denial looks like. Not so much just denying every little sin that comes along, but denying the entirety of your sinful nature and saying, you can't live here anymore. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Thank you, Jesus.
At this time, I'd like to call up um, Pastor Jim, Pastor Stacy, Elder Melissa, all the deacons and their wives, if they could come. And we're about to dismiss. But if any of you have specific prayer requests, you're going to be able to come to the altar after dismissal. any of you have a heart to serve children, we need your immediate help in Children's Church. If you've been a member of New Life for about six months or sometimes that can be waived if I know you, we build a relationship with you, but we need help for that church down there. It's time for us to say, I'm not coming to church just to be served, but sometimes I can serve as well. They need immediate help. How do I know? just got a text message from my wife saying that they need help down there. So Father, since we've been revived, we're free to serve you. Since we've been revived, we've got no more excuses about tiredness or busyness because we're going to cease from our own works because we've been revived to sit at the table and only do what you command us to do. That's why we're so busy and that's why we're so tired because most of our life is spent doing time doing things where God didn't even tell you to do that stuff. You just filled your calendar and filled your schedule with you stuff. You want to experience revival. Give the, clear your calendar for the king and let him come in and show you that he can bring the, the blessings and the finances and the strength that you desire if you will serve him and stop serving money. Because man cannot serve God and money. Father, I pray your blessings over this meeting and congregation. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that we leave revived with that on our mind. I thank you for a great hunger and thirst for your word and for prayer that falls upon this church like never before. We reject the spirit of religion. We reject every false idol in the name of Jesus Christ. We reject the form of godliness but deny the power thereof. We thank you for reality in this place where the God of our God is King and Lord and we serve him. In Jesus' name.